The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, best-selling author Lisa Bevere helps children and parents understand what it means to be brave. You know, I know even when my kids were little, I was like, I'm locking all of you in the backyard and I'm arranging your marriages. This is it. You know, you, this is your life. It's you and me until I hand you off. But you can't, you can't do that with your kids. Fear is a horrible counselor. You do not want to lock away your kids. And you as a mother need to actually understand that you, you, you can equip them. along with Randy Robertson, and we're just so glad that you joined us. I have, um, there's a woman who is, well, one of my favorite people on the planet. <laughs> and I also love all the books she's written. But for the very first time, she has written a children's book, and it is darling. Would you please welcome my friend, Lisa Bevere. Good to have so you. Good to, so good to be here. This is adorable. They did a great job illustrating it. Lizzie the Lioness. <laughs> it's a surprise, it's about lions. It's a shock. Well, I, I just wondered why at this stage, what inspired you to write your very first children's book? So my third grandchild is my inspiration on this. So I watched her. I watched her around her older brother and her older sister. I saw how frustrated she was. She wanted to do everything that everybody else did. And I actually remembered when I was growing up, I was called Little Lisa and Big Lisa lived across the street. And Big Lisa could cross the street without holding her mother's hand. Big Lisa could go to anybody else's house. Little Lisa couldn't do anything. And I just kind of was like, I remember that. Mm. And so I thought, I wonder if I could put her in a story where she would feel empowered and she would understand that no matter how little she was, she still had a voice. And um, so, yeah, so it was kind of my inspiration. I was actually at a Christmas musical. She was crawling back and forth over us. We all have, you know, candles that are lit. <laughs> There's like a danger factor involved. And she's crawling and I was thinking, I'm gonna need to write a story for this one. <laughs> so Lizzie's the name of your granddaughter? Too. Yes, Lizzie's my third granddaughter and she's three. Yes. It's such a wonderful age. It is. It is so fun. The thing I like about this book is that you're, you're teaching, you're writing to children in a children's right. context, but you're teaching lessons that apply to all of us, male, female, young, old, all of us. Tell us some, some of the, the message behind the, the drawings. Absolutely. Well, you know, first and foremost, a lot of the things I learned that have any value I learned as a child. I, I mean, whether it was the C.S. Lewis books I read or whatever it was, those principles were really important. And I wanted every single mother to be kind of listening in while she was reading to this, this story. And so I thought, now, what can I do where the young daughters are going to feel empowered, but the mothers will also feel empowered. And the whole theme of the book is that sometimes the most courageous thing any of us can ever do is ask for help. And I think a lot of times we think asking for help is weakness when really it's wisdom. And so I wanted to weave a story where this little lioness sees a little girl in danger and she knows she can't help her. 
but she knows who can help her. And so she goes back and she gets the parents and she gets help. And, you know, actually I fictionalized a true story. This is actually a story that um, I read years ago when I was writing Lioness Rising about this little Ethiopian girl who had been abducted and her abductors took her out. They, they were beating her and a pride of lions comes out of the grass, surrounds the little girl, chased off the abductors and just laid around this little girl until the villagers came out and rescued her. Really? It's a true story. You can look it up online. But yeah, it's this beautiful story. And I've always been so intrigued because they were like, why would these lions come out? And why wouldn't they have eaten the little girl? And why, you know, like, the, and so I was like, what if I made Lizzie the youngest, smallest member of the pride and that she would see this little girl at risk. And they were like, we're not gonna put scary abductors. So they put baboons. And, and <laughs> what, what, can, you know, what can we do? And so, you know, again, we're living in a day and an age right now wow. where parents have a lot of fear with raising their kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I know even when my kids were little, I was like, I'm locking all of you in the backyard and I'm arranging your marriages. This is it, <laughs> you know, you, this is your life. It's you and me until I hand you off. But you can't, you can't do that with your kids. Fear is a horrible counselor. You do not want to lock away your kids. And you, as a mother, need to actually understand that you, you, you can equip them. You can't just hide them. And um, so I thought, if I can write this book, and I can also create conversations. And the conversations that were really important to me were, you know, as a grandmother, I get to have this wonderful opportunity for conversations with my grandkids all the time. And so I, you know, I had two of them with me not long ago in the car, and I'm driving home from something, I'm driving, and I just kind of look in the rearview mirror, and they're kind of sitting there, and I was like, Asher and Sophie, is anybody ever mean to you at school? And Sophie was like, nope, no one's ever mean to me. And I said, that's great. I said, Asher, what about you? Is anybody ever mean to you at school? And he said, not at school. And I said, oh, somebody mean to you somewhere else. And then he began to talk to me about this little girl that had been bullying him. She's older than, about three years older than him, hitting him in the face, bullying him and telling him, you know, excluding him and stuff. And so I'm listening to this whole story and I know a little bit of the dynamics and I know that Sophia thinks this, this little girl is like amazing because like she's a big girl. And so if he wants to be a big girl. And so I said, Sophia, what do you do when this is happening? Do you stand up for Asher? Or do you go along because you want to be a big girl? And Sophia throws her head back and just goes, I go along because I want to be a big girl. And she like starts crying. And I was like, okay, all right. And she's like, Asher, from now on, I'm going to stand up for you. I'm going to make her include you. I'll and, be your you know, baboon. I'll, exactly. I'll fight away the baboons. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just driving in the car and, you know, like she's patting him. And I was like, okay, this was the but moment. That's great. Yeah, this was the moment. Yeah. And so I thought these need to have uh, intent wrapped around these kind of conversations. Um, but I remember my boys coming home from school. Hey, how was your day? Fine. You know, how was your day? Fine. Right, right. Like at the dinner table. So do you have a good, everybody's fine, mom. We don't want to talk about it. And then you put them to bed and it's 10 o'clock at night or 10.30 or 11. They want to have deep, meaningful conversations. I'm like, no, 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 no. That was supposed to happen at four when I asked you what your day was like. But a lot of time, children, they want to unburden their soul yeah. right when they're going to bed. And that is really when the parents are like, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have this unburdening soul conversation, you know? And so I thought if I can write questions in the back of this book where parents don't even have to think, <laughs> they can just read the questions. Is there anybody you're afraid of? 
Is there anybody you're seeing be mean to other people? Is there anybody telling you not to tell things? And, and letting them know that communicating things isn't always tattling. You know, just having that conversation, then they would know, okay, you know, this is an opportunity. And maybe it's nothing, but then they always know who they can come to. Mm -hmm. And so this was just a real important tool. And then if the mom's asking the kid that, then she's gonna have to model it as well. Yeah. Because our children learn by what we model. One of the things that I think about children's books, and you know, I've written a couple, is that- My grandkids whenever... love your children's books. Oh, thanks. You say they love your silly Thank dogs. You. <laughs> <laughs> but when I finished reading the book, I thought, um, this is a book that won't only touch the hearts of, a, of children, but it really is, to me, you've given everyone, grandparents, mothers, fathers, children, permission to raise questions. And I think that we, you know, we live in a culture where we're all on social media, we're either Facebooking, but sometimes feeling very alone and very isolated. Yeah. And, and that's when I finished reading the book, you know, I put my hands up and I prayed for that. Thank that you. God would use this to, to give children permission to say, you know what, I, I don't know if I can change the situation, but perhaps I could get help. Right. And to give parents an opportunity to begin because story is just, it's one of those disarming things that God uses. It's why Jesus told parables. Right. It's like those mysteries tucked into it. Mm -hmm. Well, and I wanted, I, I feel like if you can be intentional with conversations, this is what I want. Grandmothers, mothers, fathers, whoever's reading the book to the kids, big sister, big brother. Intentional conversations mean that we can locate the need. And then when you can locate the need, then you can have a solution and you empower your kids. And so empowering them, right now we've got this whole culture, be brave, be brave, but you know, sometimes brave doesn't look like going and confronting it yourself. Sometimes being brave means you enlist help. And that again was a huge important thing for me. And, and um, you know, I, I had, I had a, a, an abusive encounter when I was a, a younger woman. And I, you know, the first thing you do is you think, I shouldn't tell anybody I was in the wrong place. This is possibly my fault. And so I wanted to dismantle that so they wouldn't say, this is my fault. I was seeing something I shouldn't have seen because I was in a place I shouldn't have been. Well, you know, we just want to take away all those things and empower the moms, empower the, the kids to have these conversations. So, yeah, I was thrilled. And Lizzie, Lizzie is hilarious. When she reads it, she's like, that's me, that's me. I say roar, I say roar. She's just gotten so violent. We're like, it's I'm just happy man. she's potty trained right now. But yeah, <laughs> she comes over our house and starts stripping. But yeah, she's, <laughs> she's like, I'm a free child. She's gonna watch this when she's 16 and just not be happy. <laughs> no, yeah. that's okay. I just hope she's still not doing the same things. <laughs> All right, moving along. <laughs> you know, there are a couple of things you mentioned, though, I want to go back to, and I think you touched on it. You talk about unburdening your soul, yeah. the, the need to learn how to do that, and you also talk about asking for help. Those are very adult issues. Are these things that you have had to learn as an adult, maybe? Absolutely, yes, because, you know, as a, as a young mother, I'm going to just say what I would do every single night. Every single night, I went to bed with a list of everything I didn't do well enough. If I didn't clean enough, if I didn't, if I yelled at my kids or if I, you know, whatever it was, I had this massive list, Randy, every single night where I failed. You know, my check, I didn't, wasn't able to check those things off. And I felt so weighed down 
every single morning, that every single morning I, I moved into my day, burdened from the night before, burdened from the day before. I mean, it went back perpetually. And I thought, you know what? I, I can't live like this. I can't live like this. And so every day, the mercy needs to be new every morning. The, the day has to have a fresh start. That day needs to be put to bed. Whatever was bad in that day needs to be addressed. Whatever was good needs to be celebrated. And we need to move forward instead of having this imaginary list that no one was even really checking up on except for me. Uh, and so I was like, all right, the list needs to go away. I need to unburden my soul. And then also asking for help. You know, I don't think, I don't think people understand that we were made for each other. I mean, I have friends I need help from. And, you know, because sometimes I just don't see things right. Or sometimes uh, I'm just, I just completely am feeling overwhelmed. And I can call a friend. I know that Sheila's been that to me. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll call each other. And You've been that to me well, hugely. I mean, let me just kind of interrupt there a little bit. And just to say that one of the things I love about the book is, I mean, there's profound kingdom principles in this. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the fact that the little lioness, Lizzie, went back and said, listen, somebody needs help. There's strength in community. Right. And we need a couple of safe people in our life. And Lisa is one of those people. You know that I, you know, live with depression. And if I'm having a bad day, I text you and you are on your knees on my behalf. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you're modeling in this is even the weakest or smallest person in the body of Christ can have a profound role yeah. right. when you say, you know what, we need to get some help for some people here. Right, right. Yep. And, and we need to give people permission. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I love you, and so I'm gonna always be safe for you, but, but I hate it that it even would ever seem like if you needed help that there was dangerous, like it would be dangerous to ever ask somebody for help. See, I, I hate it that any of us would feel like if I ask you for help, that that made me less than. Yeah. You know, I don't want people to feel that. I want that to be wisdom. And um, in the multitude of counsel, there's there's wisdom. And I, I want my grandkids to see that. I, I think it kind of needs a lot of people's input and conversations and things grow in the dark. And so I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that for my friends. I don't want that for my grandchildren. I don't want that for myself, mm -hmm. you know, so. Absolutely, and you know, so unburdening my soul. And what was the other thing you asked me? <laughs> I said, uh, asking for help and asking unburdening for help. Your soul. Yep, yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah, and I think I've gotten a lot better at that. I think as you get older, yeah, you actually know what your strengths are. Yeah, and you you let other people help you with your weaknesses. You don't want to have yeah. the blind sides. But I think one of the things that's great is it took me a long time to realize it was okay to ask for help. But I think you're helping a young generation to grow up understanding right. that mm -hmm. that's okay. Right. And I think the kind of culture we're living in and the times we're living in, there's so many issues where you think, well, I know she's struggling with that and he's struggling with that and I honestly don't know what to do, but mm -hmm. I bet I could find somebody who did. Right. So instead of people feeling paralyzed by other people's struggle or pain, it right. actually gives an open door to think, well, there's something I can do. And I think that is really powerful, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and I, 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 I love what you're saying and I love that it isn't just like, giving them permission, but actually labeling it as courageous. Right. And I think that's the flip we need to make, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, so I, and I love what you've been doing with, um, you know, talking about mental health issues and bringing it out of the dark yeah. and bring it into the light so that people don't feel isolated, don't feel alone and don't feel ashamed to ask for help. So I 
you know, if, yeah, I, if we could start this earlier. You know, I know John and I were first married. He would say, it must be crazy to live in your brain. I mean, like, there would be like all sorts of no things idea, going brother. on in no my idea. head. And I'd be like, and these are just the things I'm telling you. You have no idea what actually is going on in my brain. And so I, I think that everybody needs to have those kind of people in their lives. And, and if we dismantle things when they're small, they don't get the chance to grow huge. Yeah. yeah, I think this is a good point to tell you who are watching that if you need to talk to somebody, if you need to unburden some things, if you need to ask for help, we have a prayer line available. We invite you to call. We want someone to pray with you and minister to you. So call that number right now if you want someone just to, to join with you and, and offer you the, the kind of support that these two lovely ladies have offered each other. And I, I love there's another part to the message um, in Lizzie the Lioness that it's never too late yeah. to step up and be courageous. Yeah. Because I think of, I was talking to a woman last weekend at a conference I was at and she said, you know, for all of my life, I feel like I've been silent when I should have spoken up. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, check, do you have a pulse? Mm -hmm. And if there's not a white chalk mark around your body, it is not too late. Right. And I think that's the beautiful message of this book too, Thank that you. sometimes the bravest, most courageous thing is to say, you know what, I can't do this, but let's get you help. And everybody has a voice. Yeah. Everybody has the right to use their voice. And nobody is too small to not have a voice. And so we need to empower them to have those voices. And yeah, so it's been fun. It, it, you know, you warned me that writing children's book are difficult. Much you would think it would be easier. It is hard. But I had a brilliant illustrator and the people at Thomas Nelson, as you know, yeah. are just awesome. Phenomenal. And they just kind of took me by the hand. And Sheila gave me great advice on this. She knew the, the storyline I wanted to write, but she helped me understand there was things that would be illustrated that I wouldn't have to say. <laughs> yeah, you would think that writing a children's book is easy. You know, it's just well, it's only like words, however many right? pages. Yeah. But every word has to count. And yeah. you can't say something that kids are going to see in an illustration. Yeah. So it's actually a lot more difficult. Yeah. which is why I think you did. I mean, obviously I'm your friend, I love you, but this is a really good book. <laughs> if it wasn't, I would just be saying, you know, Lisa has a book. That's right. <laughs> no, this is fantastic. No, you would say, Lisa, next time ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> be courageous, man. Be courageous. <laughs> I want to ask you, because there yes. are some children right now who need some help. Yes. And you have been there. I have. You have been in the mission field with us where we're feeding uh, over 400,000 400, kids 000. a month. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Um, and what do you say to those that we're going to ask mm -hmm. to help these children? Mm -hmm. Sort of what, what, what do you say to someone who might join with us in helping them? You know, the first time I ever went on anything with um, Life Outreach, I, I told my husband, I called him from the field and I said, I've always been afraid to ask for money. Mm. And I said, but I will never ever again be afraid to ask for help for these kids. Absolutely. When I saw the work that Life Today was doing and Life Outreaches, changing cultures and saving and rescuing families from, you know, children from everything from clean water to food and starvation. I, it was, it was it. And we, John and I have just, we've always been honored to partner with Life Outreach. And I would just tell anybody they can, they can trust you guys. And um, when, you know, if they feel the Holy Spirit tugging, they, sh they should go for it. Yeah, we appreciate that, and we appreciate all the help that you and John have been to us. Now we want to ask you to watch something and see how you can be a big help. Watch this. You know, coming to malnutrition clinics like this is so devastating to see children because, unfortunately, so many more children don't leave these clinics than what leave them. 
but it's even more devastating to me today because this clinic is so full. You can see how they've actually put extra beds down the center of, of, of the aisle here. That's not normal because the conditions in this area have reached absolute desperation. And as a result, the clinics are full, full with children who are fighting for their lives. Children who have literally reached that stage of being on death's door. I've got to tell you that I'm, I'm tired of this situation. I'm tired of watching children die in clinics like this. Child after child, mother after mother, whose heart is broken. Because of something so simple. The fact that children don't have enough food. It's an injustice. Because if we remain silent, the silent killer, malnutrition, will win the battle again and again and again. Please, we've got to do what we can do because we're able and together we need to act. But this is not where we solve it. Where we have the greatest chance is out there in their villages. Before children get into a severely malnourished state, before they end up here, if we can just take mission feeding to those villages, we can save those children's lives. We can save them from coming here. We can save them from death's door. I will never, ever be able to erase um, the images of what I saw in the malnutrition clinic when we were in Africa. Little ones who could barely, who struggled just to take a breath. You probably saw that there in, in that video. Um, who were crying, but not the kind of cry of a healthy baby. It was a different cry. It was like a cry, it was like a wail. It wasn't like a, a baby crying for his mom, knowing that she's gonna be there. But to sit with the moms, to sit with these moms who are just like you and me, they are no different. Okay, they were born there and I was born in Scotland, but we're exactly the same. Every mother wants to be able to do the thing for your children, the very basic things. Make sure they're warm, make sure they have food. And the thing that I thought as I was watching that piece that Isaac did is, there's some situations you watch in the news and you think, this is a disaster, this is terrible, and there's so little we can do. But the thing about this is we can do something. We can change this. I've seen the difference between holding a tiny little one in a malnutrition clinic, who's, we, the last time we were there, we were told this little one is not gonna make it. They had to wrap the child up in tinfoil to try and keep the child warm. But then two days later, we went to one of the villages where we have our feeding program in place. And there there was laughter and kids skipping. And it's, the thing is the food that we provide for children, it kind of looks like a bowl of oatmeal, but it's actually not that. It's like a, it's a soup and it's very nutritious. It's made specifically for those regions in the world. And it's full of vitamins and minerals. Literally the first bowl begins to reverse the cycle from death to life. Now, that little lioness, Lizzie, felt she couldn't do much, but she did what she could. And the truth is, every single one of us can do something. We can all do something. Randy, what are, the, what are we asking here today? The breakdown is that 30, 50, $100 will feed three, five, or 10 children for three months, um, and, and that goes on and on, so don't limit yourself. If God's telling you to, to, do, to go big and help a lot of children, please do. There's one other thing I want to mention, you know, we have built food factories in these areas to provide for the economy, to provide jobs, to 
train them on how to feed themselves. We actually have an opportunity now beyond just the mission feeding to upgrade one of the food factories which will increase the production by 50% so we can do even more. We need you to partner with us. You're seeing generations with me and my parents and Isak and his parents in these desperate areas helping to save generations of children. We are committed because this is the expression of God to go in and give life to people, to express his love by being his hands. Please go to the phone, go online, do what you can, be courageous. No gift is too small, no gift is too large. We can have a huge impact in these children's lives. Do what you can today. In impoverished and famine-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face death by starvation. With your support, you will help feed and care for children in crisis areas of Sudan, Angola, and Mozambique. With Africa facing ongoing food shortages and drought, we urgently need to replenish supplies and come to the aid of 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of 30, 50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider an additional gift to help provide critically needed upgrades to our food factory that will increase overall production by a staggering 50%. This is a $216,000 challenge above our normal feeding budget that could help save even more lives. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you in the middle of the mess. In her new book, Sheila Walsh brings insight to knowing the peace and presence of Christ in the midst of life's inevitable messes. With your gift of $100 or more to help feed and care for 10 children, we'll send you Sheila's book plus the Arise coffee mug. This heat-activated mug reveals Isaiah 61 each time you fill it with a warm beverage, a wonderful way to begin your day. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request our Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online. No way for me to tell you how grateful I am to see these bags of food. I'm told over 70 thousand meals on this one load, all processed, this incredible factory. And I just say thank God because I've seen so many things happen. Children that were dying are now being fed and going to school. But it's all because of the food factory. It's all because of mission feeding and mission feeding is all because of you. So I ask you from the bottom of my heart, keep providing the nutritious soup mix, keep these factories going, keep the missionaries in place. Thank you for doing that. I'm saying to you right here from a miracle in Africa, you are the reason for the miracle. To God be the glory, but it's God's love being expressed through you. And you are glorifying God by your action and by your gifts. Thank you for helping. Let's keep doing it. Thank you so much. And if you go to the phones and they're busy, please, you know, write the number down, call back, and with any gift at all, we will send you Lizzie, the Lioness. It's a fantastic book, and I think it'll be a great addition to your home. There's another fantastic book that Mr. we're offering, is. if you will ask for it, and that is Miss Sheila Walsh's In the Middle of the Mess, which will encourage you in prayer and meditation every day. We've got wonderful gifts for you, but really, the best gift you can give is to reach out, help us, help those children. You can have a huge impact. Won't you do it today? And Lisa, Thank you so much for being oh. here. It's always a pleasure to have you. It was an honor. Thanks, Come back guys. again. And you come back again. 
every day for Life Today and join us online at our website at lifetoday.org. Tomorrow, John Bevere explains your supernatural ability to start killing kryptonite. And I realize that there is a very real kryptonite that weakens us. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.